Copestone Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the second uh, Coach Stone football podcast. Uh, I have an awesome guest on, on the phone right now. Uh, again, this is my second podcast. I want to thank JC, uh, uh, BJ Coletta, and I want to thank uh, JC Sports Radio for a great time, for asking me to do this. I'm having a great time. Our guest right now is Coach Kurt Hines. Coach Hines, are you on? I am. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Hey, so uh, this is my second time you got to really bear with me. So the one thing I didn't do last time was go over the game plan of how we're doing it. So we already have the questions, but let me tell my audience how we're going to do this. So the game plan is very simple. We're going to have a pregame. We're going to talk about you, Coach Hines. Please make sure you tell everybody, you know, your, your Twitter handle and things like that because you have a lot of followers. You're an excellent coach. That's why I wanted you on this uh, podcast. Uh, we'll talk about a kickoff question, first drive. We'll have a halftime, and then at halftime we'll have the marching band. And then after halftime, we'll have a kick return question. We'll have a second drive, two-minute warning where you talk about, you leave us some of your coaching thoughts and touch us with your wisdom, and then we'll be at the end of the game unless we go to overtime. Uh, so that's the game plan for the podcast. Uh, coach, are you all ready? I'm all set to go. All right, so it's right now pregame, Coach. Everyone that's listening, you know, because we only have like five listeners probably right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hopefully we have hopefully, we'll, hopefully we won't go down to four. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, block that podcast. But uh, let's do this. Uh, let's tell the audience. Tell them about yourself. I met you on Twitter. I follow you all the time. I love when you do those things about your about you know the motivation talks. And we're going to go over that's one of our questions. But please tell the viewing uh, viewing audience right because we both have radio face. Uh, we both have TV <laughs> faces. We both have TV faces, not radio faces, right? So exactly. tell the listening audience about yourself okay yeah absolutely you, you had asked earlier for me to share my twitter handle it's uh coach hines chf um i i've coached now high school football for 20 years uh got into it just w- with a passion of uh i, I teach elementary school I, I i've taught first through fourth grade for 23 years uh i've always loved working with children uh and you know i have four four kids of my own and two grandsons but uh nice yeah, I absolutely love it. You know, and, and uh, as you and I were speaking about briefly uh, prior to this, you know, my, couldn't do this without my wife. You know, she, she is the backbone of all I do and uh, such a godsend. But uh, I got, it, got started into coaching oh, about 24 years ago, or excuse me, about 21 years ago, when uh, a buddy of mine and I, who we played college football together, we did a Special Olympics flag football team. We, uh, there was a need for some help. So the two of us signed up to do it, and it was kind of the the bad news bears of, of flag football. But <laughs> what, what happened? What happened was uh, we were coaching. Uh, I think it was fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, or fifth through eighth grade flag football with special needs children. And uh, the, the light I saw that went in their eyes, and just the excitement with the simplest accomplishment, whether, whether it was gaining a yard or completing a pass or pulling someone's flag, that, that, that was the first time I had ever thought. I was a senior in college at that time, had played myself from second grade through college, but that was the first time I ever thought to myself, I want to do that. I want to be able to have a chance to coach, to empower people to 
to do things that they never thought were you know was possible. So that's what started. I, I you know first got my first coaching job, like I said, 20 years ago when I reached out to a head coach of a town where I was coaching and just introduced myself and said, not even looking for a paid position, but just want to help out wherever there's a need. And he just so happened to have a uh, a paid position open for his freshman program. So I was a freshman coach for seven years, and uh, the rest kind of unfolded from there. So that's how I got my start into coaching, and that's a little bit of the background. I'm currently uh, on my second gig, if you will, of being a head coach. I was a head coach in New Hampshire for seven years in Bedford, New Hampshire, prior to moving here to San Diego about two and a half years ago where my wife and I uh, moved to, and now I'm a head coach for Coronado High School uh, just outside of the downtown San Diego. So so you went from the freezing cold, right, to huh. the hot sun, right? You're probably at the uh, beach today or something, right? Yeah, we were. We were. My, my, my wife and I uh, were, were up in Laguna Beach, and uh, yeah, I, I miss a little bit of the country back roads, but the ice and the snow and the cold and the mosquitoes, we don't have that here in San Diego, so I'm not going back. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Well, that's awesome. Exactly. Okay, so so that was our that was our pregame, right? So we we talked about you and everything. And why don't you do this for the audience? Say it one more time for your Twitter. So they, I mean, listen, if anybody's listening. If you're not following Coach Hines, you know, you got to follow him. And also, if you, if, you, if you haven't followed me yet, please do. It's Coach underscore Stone underscore MT. But I'm just throwing myself in there, Coach, because everyone's going to follow you, not me. Um, but can you tell the audience again your Twitter handle again? I, I will. It's uh, Coach, capital C, Hines, capital H, H-I-N-E-S. So Coach Hines, capital C, capital H, capital S. And a real quick story about that, you know, I, I fought Twitter for the longest time. Um, and talking about our wives being the backbone of what we do, I used to, back in New Hampshire, whenever we had an away football game, I'd get on the bus, win or lose, and I'd call my wife. Um, she would always get home, obviously, well before, you know, and she'd go to all the games, but she'd get home before we were. And I'd say, hey, who won this game, who won that game, trying to figure out the standings. And finally, mm-hmm. she'd get on Twitter, and I got on Twitter, and uh, it, it ended up exploding into something Pretty phenomenal, and I'm not saying my Twitter is phenomenal, but as you well know, Coach Stone, just the fraternity, if you will, of coaches and the passion and the knowledge that's shared, if you're looking for something football-related, whether it's X's and O's, character, you name it, it's out there. You just need to look. So I, yeah. I absolutely love it now. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I didn't do Facebook. I didn't do Twitter. Four years ago, I started Facebook because my wife made me because a lot of the, the team I coached in 2010, the ladies that we won a gold medal with for Team USA, they would always contact my wife. So my wife's like, listen, you got to get Twitter. So I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, you got to get um, Facebook. And then when I went to a trip in South Korea, they're like, oh, you need to do Twitter. And then ever since then, I've been doing it. And I don't know, some days I'm, I'm glad I have it because I can see old past friends and stuff. But then some days, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm on it too much. You know, <laughs> so, but I mean, it's I just agree. like, hey, what what did Coach Hines just say today? Because, I mean, I love when you do your speeches, and we're going to talk about that's one of our questions. So let's do this. Pre-game's over. We're about to do the kickoff question, so real quick. So the kickoff question, Coach, I have for you is the question I had for you is why do you coach, right? But you already said that pretty much. So let's do this question. That priceless moment that you brought up earlier, do me a favor. Explain to the audience. How it feels, because you said about the with, the, with the Special Olympics you started in college, 
when you you're coaching now and you're a head coach, you said, how does it feel to have that priceless seeing a kid do something that's you know that you just haven't got, and then all of a sudden the light bulb turned on? Explain to the odds how how you are about that priceless moment because I think it, that's it, a good thing for our audience. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that that's a great question. It's one of those things where it's it, it's truly. It's, it's like the intangibles. When you talk about an athlete, you know, you can measure their height and weight. You can measure the 40 time and their bench and their squat and their clean. But, but the, the great athletes have the intangibles that you, it's hard to put your finger on. It's hard to put into words those moments. Um, but I, I will just say that so often for me, it's not even the accomplishments in the weight room or on the field, but it's through those relationships, as you well know, you build with the young men, with their families, and you see them – turn that corner or get over that mountain, so to speak, whether it's with grades or their discipline problems or struggles at home. Uh, I, I think, you know, possibly when you and I were playing ball, um, in today's day and age with social media and with so much more going on, I, I think being being a teenager in today's world is harder than ever. And to be able to see that passion come into a young man's eyes, um, and to see them accomplish something, uh, it, it's just, it's hard to put into words, but it's, it's what it's all about for me. It, it, it is miraculous. And we were blessed back in New Hampshire to, to win several division championships and conference championships and go to several state championships. Um, and those moments are amazing. I'll never forget them. But one of the greatest moments we ever had was with a group I had of seniors who had played together since youth football. We had lost the state championship game, uh, like I said, right after winning a division in our conference, lost the state championship game by six points, and the seniors and I sat in the weight room. There were about 15 of them that year and just cried for about a good 15 or 20 minutes, and I'll never forget it because it wasn't crying about losing a football game. It was the realization for these young men that that moment is gone forever. Now, it's in our minds, and they'll talk about it, but they, they, they realize that playing together all those years, that was the final chance they'd ever get, you know, the time to strap on the pads together as a unit. Um, and several of them went on to play and have great college careers. But uh, it, it's moments like that. It, it's things that just in life, when you, when you marry your bride, when you see your firstborn hmm. child. And, and I realize, I think, coaches that have a passion and, and wives that, that share that passion will understand that there's really not that much of a difference between the the beauty of having a child and connecting to a young man and, and walking your daughter down the aisle, which I, I've had the blessing of doing with, with our oldest daughter so far, um, because for the people that understand it's more than just a game, it's it's all-encompassing. You know, that's a great point because, you know, a lot of the players that I've coached, they come back or they even coach for me or they, they help me out with my camps, my youth camps, or other camps when I'm working for the Bears and things like that. The coolest thing I always – the one thing, like you said, too, about the relationships, it's like those – they're, like, with you forever, you know, and it's kind of like we both teach too, right? Because if you just – if you teach and coach, you get the both – you get the both positives of that priceless moment. Seeing those kids get to that thing, like as an elementary teacher, seeing a kid make a shot for the first time or shoot a goal for the first time, or just kick a ball through a net the first time, and their excitement, it, it's like a MasterCard commercial, the priceless. I don't know why MasterCard ever stopped that. I think yeah. they should go back to that where it's like priceless, right? And, you know, the like the thing with you said with your seniors, they weren't crying, they, they got upset, but they were like a football family, right? And, and that will be yeah. our next question in a second. But, like, they were thinking it's the last time. And, you know, I think, like you said, a lot of the athletes today don't understand – 
your your time is numbered, right? Your time is coming up in high school. Your time is coming up in college. You only have you're only given a certain number of downs, right, or a certain number of games. After that, unless you go to the show or higher up to indoor, you're never going to put the pads on unless you play a different kind of football, like semi-pro and things like that. Right. You know, and then I, and when you do semi-pro, I've, I've you know I've done it before and I've coached before when I first started coaching. You know, you'd have five people show up to practice, but then game time, there's 60. You know, so yeah. I don't know if you've ever done semi-pro or, or coached it or anything. The only reason I started playing semi-pro again was because my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and he wanted to see me play again. That's the only reason I played it, because wow. I was happy with my career. I, was ha- I played up to indoor football, and then that was it. And then when he got diagnosed with cancer, I said, you know what, I'm going to play it one more time, plus the girlfriend I had at the time, uh, you know, you know, she never seen it before, and she became my wife. And like you said, they're like the backbone and everything. But it was, it was something cool to have. So there goes the whistle, coach. The whistle just blew. But let's go to the the kickoff question, okay, coach? So I mean, I'm not sorry, not the kickoff question, the first drive question. And I think it's going to tie into this. And I apologize. I know we talked about topics, but it kind of is. A, we're talking about building a culture, okay? And it sounds like wherever you go, you're building a culture. So you're pretty much like I always say, hashtag football family. So yep. explain to the audience, how do you build your culture, right? Because that's the thing. Like, I should have listeners that are youth football coaches, college coaches, high school coaches. See, I don't, I don't think, if you, like you were talking earlier, you have how many followers right now, Coach? Uh, it's around 18,000. 18,000. 18, now, listen, you have 18,000 followers, and I'm not trying to toot your horn here. But oh, no, please do. after listening, <laughs> huh? go, what's up? Go ahead. I said, please do, please do. Okay, so I'm going to do this right now. You're, you're, not getting, you're not getting highlighted enough, you know, because here's what I think. This is what I personally think. You have 18,000 followers, and like you were talking to me earlier, this is my second show, and you said this is, this is your second show, right? This is my second yeah. show doing one. This is your second show actually doing one. This is, if we talk about podcasts, I've only done four. You know, I did one on my book, The Big Four, and I did one with youth football because a friend in Elko said, hey, you know, this place you need to interview Coach Stone because he's really good, right? But with you, you have I, I only have like 800 followers, right? We gotta change that. Yeah, he'll, hey, okay, everyone that's following Coach Hines, please follow Coach Stone, right? That's but, right. Uh, but you have 18,000 followers, and you've only had one podcast. So at the end of this podcast, I'm hoping that you get more podcasts because what you say on your podcast is from your heart. And the next question, like we said, is the first drive. Building a culture. Please tell our audience about how you build a culture with your kids. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it, for, for me, it's just once again, and I always pause because I think, you know, what, what I'm going to say, not to, not to, I'm not fishing for a compliment or, or downplaying myself, but there's no magic to it. It's just I, I think about how do you build a culture with your family. You know, you start by finding the person that you have a passion for, you know, in, in your wife, and you, then you dedicate your heart and your everything to them. As far as a coach, you find a sport. In our cases, it's football. You find the sport you're passionate about, and you pour your heart into it. Um, I was talking to uh, the gentleman who took over for me when I left New Hampshire. Uh, he actually was my line coach. He became the head coach when I stepped down to move out here. We were speaking probably six months ago or so, and he said, how long do you think it's going to take for you to do what you did, or what we did, not I, but we did in New Hampshire? And I think – 15 years ago as a coach, I probably would have given him a time frame and said one, two, three, four years. And without sounding cliche, 
I, I told him, I, I said, Derek, it's one relationship at a time. You know, for, for me, it's, you, you get one young man or you're one, you know, we have a girl on our team. She's absolutely amazing. Uh, you get one young adult on your team to buy into your why, what your passion is, and it spreads like wildfire. You get one parent to understand that you truly love their son and daughter, that you are there for them athletically, academically, emotionally, spiritually, you name it. Um, those parents are going to come out for supporting your program, the boosters and whatnot. Um, I think it's, you know, it's the same. I've often had people laugh, and, and I'm, I'm not a, a giant, but I'm not a small guy either. And people mm-hmm. often, when they find out that I teach elementary school, my players will often say, oh, my gosh, this kid must be so afraid of you. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm a teddy bear in the classroom. I don't raise my voice. But I think the, the success I've had in the classroom over the years was getting those little kids to understand that I love them and want them to succeed and show a, a vested interest in who they are outside of just school, getting to know them on a personal level. So for me, building a culture is all-encompassing, wrapped around building personal relationships, one player at a time, one assistant coach or, or a, a fellow coach at a time. Um, so when life does punch you in the face or, or a game punches you in the face or, or you know, things happen, um, people come together to support one another as opposed to fighting against each other. So for me, the, the culture, is it's all about the relationships. Okay, so let's. Let, I, there's a couple things I wrote down, a little note thing. So it's funny. How how tall are you so our audience can, you know, because you're like Roadhouse, right? Because you're like Roadhouse, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about you. If they ever make a – I don't know if they ever made a remake of Roadhouse. I think they did. But Patrick Swayze played that good, right? And he'd walk he in and he's like, yeah, he's like, you walk in and he's like, what's your name? Dalton. He's like, I thought you'd be bigger, right? <laughs> so, so tell the audience, are you, are you, are you over 6'3"? Are you over 6'2"? What are you? Really That's quick. a great reference, by the way. I'm a six, six, two and a half, but I'm bald, so I like to say I'm six three with hair. Uh, Good. Six three with hair, two fifty, but I should be, to be honest with myself, I should be two forty. Hey, so like, so it's funny because you know I'm I'm about six 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 three, two and three quarters, right? But I say six three two. I'm probably more than two fifty, but I'm not going to say that because you know I don't want to embarrass myself, but I am losing weight, right? The funny thing you said about being an elementary teacher, right? Because I think I get that with my players too. It's funny how you go teach at elementary, the kids and everything, it's like molding them like clay, right? You're teaching them and everything like that, and you're having fun with the kids. You go on the football field, and your kids, if they come and help you at their elementary school, they don't see that side of you sometimes, right? Because you don't want to show that right away with the kids. Right. You know, so I I think it's funny when you said that. Absolutely. And it's just, I I think so often, you know, for for a player, I, I think as a coach, we have a captive audience. You know, I understand there are parents sometimes that tell their, their children, hey, you have to play something. But I think I, we have a biased opinion, but I think of all sports, football is not an easy one to, to join if you're not into it. Um, so I, I think we have a captive audience of people that want to be there. And whether you are six feet plus or you're five nothing, um, you know, I, I remember my friends and I, when we were younger, we would talk about someone's father, like, well, he's got grown man strength. He's just got dad strength. And we realize that the words we say can be the exact same things that mom and dad have said for years, but coach is saying it, so they're going to listen to it. Um, yeah. And I used to always laugh at that until we, you know, my wife and I have three daughters and one son. My son came home his freshman year from football, and he's like, oh, coach so-and-so said I'm going to eat more. 
I'm like, are you kidding me? I've been telling you that since you were, you know, <laughs> two years old. You know, but, uh, it, did you, did you coach little... your sons? Did you coach your yeah, sons and daughters? That, that, that's a whole other story. So I did, did not coach my son, but coached against my son uh, oh. his, his junior and senior year for their homecoming game. Uh, well, one, one was for their homecoming game, one was for ours. Uh, and it, it was it was in the news, on the papers, and all that stuff back east. It was one of, if not the hardest thing I've ever had to do as a coach. Um, it, great moments with my with you know our family and with my son and everything, but it was heartbreaking. Uh, did you win? <laughs> we did. We did. We um, won both. <laughs> well, and I remember I remember telling the players in the locker room and building up to those games. I said, you know, I, I've got entire life to be my son's father. I only have four mm-hmm. years to be your coach. Um, and I, I said, the best thing I'm going to do for you guys is pour my heart into winning this game. And for my son, show him that no matter what, you give your all. His, uh, his junior year, uh, we, we had a lot of returning players, and they didn't. So it was something like 21 nothing at the half. So I, I'm, I'm, my, my wife just pointed to herself. Um, I'm walking up the stairs. I remember like it was yesterday at halftime, running up the bleachers to, to use the restroom. And she gives me this look like, knock it off. So it was 21 <laughs> we, we, we run the spread triple option. I'm the offensive coordinator, and as a head coach, I told my assistants, listen, guys, I realize, or you realize why I'm doing this, but we're not passing the ball once in the second half. We're not running counter. We're not running trap. We're not running outside. We're not running option. We're running downhill. We ended up winning, I think it was like 50 to 7. Um, yeah, your son probably wasn't happy. Well, you know what's funny? He, uh, he wasn't, and it, it, some, one of my older daughter's friends uh, caught a picture of he and I. Um, you talked about Facebook. We have, you know, I put it up there a few years ago on Facebook, but um, of he and I kind of just embracing and stuff after the game. Um, I was crying like a 13-year-old schoolgirl. Uh, you know, I'd like to add was he, but I was crying more than he was. But we had a moment where one of those things we just kind of said a prayer with each other right there on the field and kind of knelt down and didn't know someone was taking a picture, but it's a, it's a picture I cherish. But his coaches, they all understood, you know, he – they knew that we pulled out our first string, second string, and, and that game was not a yeah. game that we ran the score. His senior year, we graduated a lot of those studs, and uh, he ended still up, won though, right? We, we we still won, but it came, down, <laughs> it came it came down to the final to the final seconds where my heart was in my throat, and both those games, he uh, he had the best game of his life. Um, we. Uh, lost track of my, uh, my mind state. But um, looking back on that, it was one of those things where it, it's a moment I'll never forget. You know, it was, he always worked out with my team and I, so that was mm-hmm. great to have him come to the workouts and everything. But, yeah, did not coach my son, but coached, coached against him twice. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I've coached my son. I, I've had the fortune to coach my son in all the select football games, right? And, you know, I don't, I don't like, force – him to be the quarterback like the people like hey your son should play quarterback because he, he knows his stuff right and it's funny how you know he when we lose he, he takes the loss very well where if I was his age and you see with the younger kids you know and he's only eight seven six when it happened they'd all be sad right they think it's like the end of the right. world where but it's different because when we play Madden against each other and <laughs> he's beat me once I just want you to know he's beat me once right and I, I've stopped I don't know if you were like this but I know because you said you had the kids later, but now video games are so huge, right? Um, right. Once you have, like, five kids, your video game time, like, ends, right? <laughs> it doesn't oh, – yeah. you, you don't get that time. And 
you know, I'm not saying I'm a good coach because I'm awesome in Madden or I've won, like, like Coach Upton said, he won five national championships in uh, NCAA on the last podcast. But playing him in Madden, the competitive side of him comes out because if I beat him by one point or two points or blow him out and I just say, oh, yeah, I won, he gets upset. He's, like, so mad. He wants to start playing right afterwards, you know, because <laughs> he wants to be better. He's like, Dad, he always tells me, Dad, I want to be better than you. And I go, son, you could be better than me because when I first started coaching, I was a yeller. And I still do it. I still lose my temper sometimes. But it's to the point where you have to sometimes. Because if you always yell, 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 right, you have that. The players are going to listen to you, you know. But if you do it every once in a blue moon, they respond in a good manner. And I think your, your first drive, the, the kickoff question was awesome, Coach. The first drive was awesome. Uh, to add to that first drive question, if this is okay, you said you have a, a girl on your team, right? Yes. I, I coached women's football before, and, you know, like, and I, I think it's best like this. If the girl is, is still in high school, she's a girl or young lady, right, or younger, right? Once yes. they become older and they're playing in the, uh, the women's leagues, they're ladies, right? And that's, I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen girls, the ladies play professional football. They have the professional football leagues. They have, like, four leagues out there, five, six. But, like, they're ladies where other coaches, like with you, this is why I had you as a guest, you don't care about a girl being on your team, you know, because you're a high school coach. Right. Other coaches, they're totally against it. You know, I don't, like I tell people all the time, you could be, blue, you could be a Smurf, you could be yellow, you could be a unicorn, you could be a, a girl, guy, lady, boy, I'll coach anything. All I need you to do is listen, right? And I think, especially with the women's sports, maybe you can tell us about the girl, but in women's sports, they just want to be treated like football players, not yep. just girls. The, guy, the ladies want to be treated like football players, and I think that's what holds back some of those leagues. You know? So ex- explain to us, like, what's it like coaching a girl, boy, and all that stuff at the high school it, level? It, it, it's, it's funny because, her, uh, and I'm sure she would mind me, I'll, I'll just say her first name, but Kate, she, uh, she's a rugby player also. And and I'm not trying to say this next comment by by I'm not trying to be funny, but sometimes you see girls playing football and they are big, you know, really really heavy girls or whatever. I've coached in my 20 years. I've coached two girls, one back east, who uh, she was phenomenal her freshman year, but she was in the size of my pinky. She was really really skinny, broke her arm so she couldn't continue that following year and kind of fell away, but was a great basketball player. That that young lady knew the game of football better than any of other freshmen, hands down. Um, we actually had one game, a freshman game. We had finished our varsity practice, so I went down to the field to support the freshmen. And uh, her name is Rachel. And one of her teammates intercepted the pass, and she looked at me. Everyone's cheering. She was, Coach, it was fourth to fourth and like 20-something. Shouldn't even just batted it down. <laughs> and I said, yes, yes, Rachel, he should have. Uh, so she was phenomenal, and it goes back to as far as I think, you know, coaches liking it or not, it's, as, as you said, if, if you have the passion and the heart, uh, yeah, I, I welcome you with open arms, and the players do the same thing. With Kate, who's on our team now, she is not a heavy girl, she's not skinny, she is just an athlete. She is a brick house, she's got no fat on her, and she's not skinny, she's just a stud. Um, you know, if she ever listens to this, I, I always tell her I'm going to bust her chops publicly as well. Uh, we One local paper wants to do an article on, on her, and they did. Later on in the season, I had another paper wants to do an article, and I said no. And they said, why? Because she's, she's, she's another player. It, I, I don't want to keep on having articles over and over and over again about a girl. She's a member of our football team. And the reason I told her 
she, she had really started struggling with some of that, her academics, which she did end up pulling up. But at that time, I, I didn't want to get more spotlight on her for being a girl. When she was a football, she was an Islander football player. She's part of our program. So uh, I think sometimes with the best of intentions, people try to put a spotlight on it and realize, you know what, it doesn't have to be something different. It doesn't have to be something quote-unquote special. She's an athlete, and, and that's what we wanted to embrace was the fact that she is just as much a member of our team. And just like I wouldn't want a teammate to take it easy on her, and they didn't, there were certain times that she laid people out, and you, I would watch through the sunglasses, watch uh, how the other players re- would respond. And it, it, it was a blessing to see that they embraced it, and there wasn't, uh, to the best of my knowledge, obviously we, we don't have eyes everywhere, but I yeah. didn't hear of or see anything that was uh, derogatory and busting the chops of the young men that she laid out. Because uh, she can hit. She, she, she's, a, yeah. she's quite a player. You know, I, I've coached a lot of ladies, and you know, I can't I can't name them all, right? There's, you know, you have Leah Hinkle up in Northwest. You have, you know, just to name a few, Leah Hinkle up Northwest in the in the West Coast. You have Kenji Martin, Daniel Goulet. You know, there's a lot of them. You know, in the Midwest, there's Sammy Grasafi. You know, Kim Marks. You know, I can I can list like almost every single force girl. You know, Tammy, all Darcy Leslie, a lot of them. And I've coached all around the world. You know, I've even coached Australian ladies, and I had the very opportunity to coach last year, this last year, as the Australian Outback women's coach, as a D coordinator and assistant coach. And those ladies over there, like CJ, Jasmine, you know, Brandy, you know, Brewer and all them, they were awesome, right? And the biggest thing is, you know, treating the ladies like players is awesome. And seeing a coach like yourself, we've only met, I mean, we've talked only twice, right, I want to say. Correct podcast, but we've always like chit-chatted on Twitter. We've repeated stuff, or I've tagged you and stuff. You tagged me and stuff. I think it's awesome. And here's what I would say to you before we go to halftime: We, me and you, you and I should say because it's proper English. You and I should try to do a ladies' football camp in the future if you're interested. You I would know? love it. But we got we got to do it in the West Coast though. So I, <laughs> I, I want to do it in the warm weather. So I don't know, like you know, if you I'm, want, if, I'm game if you want it, to. We we do one for the ladies, like every lady that's listening, every lady football player from every country. We can call it like the international games, and we do something for a couple of days down in your neck of the woods, and we get something and we teach them and we treat them like real football players. You know, I know there's other leagues that do that and other companies that do that, but I think if we did it like that, I think it'd be great to do, and I think the ladies would love it and buy into it. But it, it's just something to think about. But uh. Let's let's stop right there, Coach, because you know what's going to happen is there's the whistle. So now we're at halftime, Coach. So it's halftime, so let's do this. The marching band's about to get on the field because we're going to have to get off it, and we'll be back. The Big Four, a physical education book written by Coach Anthony Stone, can be purchased through the following locations, Amazon, iTunes, BarnesandNoble.com, and Kobo. Brunch, $30. Hey, that's okay, Wendy. That was a good carry. You're still the man. You're the man. Latte, $4. Shake it off, Johnny. Rub some dirt on it. New piano, $3,000. All right, guys. They're not saying boo. They're saying movers. Supporting your team. Sorry, Bobby. You still got the best arm in the neighborhood. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. This is VCAP, right? So, hey, we're back from halftime. Coach Stone, 
podcast. Um, Coach, we have Coach Hines as our guest. Uh, Coach, that was a long halftime. Maybe it was like three minutes long, but uh, instead of two minutes long. Um, let's do this. Let's go to the um, kick return question, okay, because you're getting the ball, okay? So the next topic is off-season workouts. How do you have a player stay disciplined in their workouts? Can you please explain that to our listening audience for Coach Stone football? Absolutely. And I'll start, I guess, by sharing that. I think off-season workouts are only effective if you have in-season workouts. I think you need to be working out with your team uh, year-round. You know, our, our guys, we train. I, I wish in a perfect world we do it three days a week during the season, but it's only twice a week during the season. But once the off-season training starts, um, it, it, it's paramount, you know, not, not only to building, you know, the explosive power that you need on the field. You know, for certain players that need to put on, whether it's 5, 10, or 15 pounds, some guys maybe need to lose a little bit. Um, I, I've been blessed to be able to run our strength and conditioning program for the past 20 years. I've coached at each of the schools I've been at. And the, the main reason I do it is partly selfish because I love working out, uh, but more importantly, I think that's where culture is really created in the weight room. You know, on, on the practice field, you know, during the regular season, as we all know, we're, we're so crunched for time, and you, you have a schedule, and you stick that schedule, and you go from one drill to another to a team period and, and so forth and so on. In, in the weight room, I think that's when players and coaches alike learn to, you know, that we find out who we can push, how we can push them, what motivates them. We can have a little bit more downtime between sets or, or before or after workouts. Um, but I, I think the off-season workouts are essential to building a successful program. Um, and I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised to find any program at any level that has sustained success uh, without, a, without a substantial and a disciplined strength and conditioning program. You know, that's a, that's a great question because, like, you know, you got to be – like, here's the thing. Everyone does something for their program that's successful. It, you know, it's like teaching. There's this new teaching out there. We all want to do it, but then it might not go with the with the area you're you're teaching in, right? With with you, you're saying how you do the weight sets and everything. What tips can you give our listening audience to like? I, I mean, I think it's perfect how you said it. In season workouts, you got to do it in season too, because that's like probably like a breaking a bad habit. So, to a follow up question with the weight room thing, how do you break a player of bad habits? On, on, in the weight room, let's start with, and then let's go on the field, and then just it, life in general. Because you know how some kids, you know, I know one coach always calls them knuckleheads, right? But, you know, how do you get those kids to break those bad habits? A great question. I, I think real quick, the first thing is trust. If, if the young men in your program trust you as a coach and trust that you have their best interest, they're going to be more apt to listen to your advice. Um, you know, it, it's great to always point out veteran players and say, hey, listen, you know, David is this way because he trusted the process and, and he did this. Um, but I, I think breaking players of bad habits, whether it's with the power clean, you know, getting the bar too far away from their body and not getting under it in the drop soon enough, or if it's with their first step as a linebacker or false steps as a running back, um, I, I, I think it, it, it's broken by consistent, disciplined patience. Uh, 
if, 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 if that's such a thing. You know, you just no, repeatedly. No, it's, it's a good point. It's a very good you know, point. I, I, I think, you know, players have to, uh, once again, you know, the, the old saying, I don't remember who this quote comes from, and, and I may even misquote it, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, you, you know, I, I think former professional athletes can be a great asset to any staff for any sport if they have a passion for coaching. But if, if you are a former professional athlete and that's the only thing you have going for you as a coach, you're not going to be much of a coach because what you did on the field doesn't always translate to what you can do to help your players. So we have to have the knowledge of certain lifts that we're, we're coaching, of, of certain drills and techniques that we want our players to do in the weight room or on the field. Um, but if they don't know that we truly care for them, they're, they're going to kind of tune that out. And, and I think it's just like anything else. You know, if, if we, we spoke earlier about, you know, both you and I, you know, we're, we're big guys, and we, we both uh, <laughs> maybe 10 pounds lighter, if you will. Um, uh, 30 pounds eight, for me, Coach. 30, 30 pounds for me. It's, you know, breaking ourselves with those habits of, of, of making sure that when we come home, we don't reach for the fridge right away, the freezer or whatever it is. Um, in the weight room, I always tell the guys that the two-and-a-half-pound plate, that tiny little forgotten little piece of steel can be our best friend because too often we learn a lift and as coaches I know I was guilty of this earlier on I would teach a lift to a player or a group of players I would feel like the majority of them had the technique down and then for my ego or their ego or numbers on a board somewhere I would bump them up or allow them to bump themselves up in lifts way too soon so we ended up sacrificing speed and explosion and technique for weight, and then that, that's never a good thing. So I really stress the players now that that little two and a half pound, two point five pound weight can be their best friend because they can continue to perform a lift effectively with great form, and that weight really doesn't add up to much until you look down the road, you know, two, three, four, five weeks. They realize, wow, I've increased this lift twenty pounds, but I haven't sacrificed any of the good stuff that got me there. You know, that's that's a that would be a great quote to put on about using the two, like the two and a half pound weight, you know, I have a picture of him all sad. So to go, to go with this whole thing about the weight thing, like we were talking, what you were talking about, you know, I want to lose about 30 pounds. You know, you want to lose 10 pounds. I think that's why this is a podcast coach. We don't have that, uh, the TV body yet, you know, so maybe <laughs> next year, maybe next year this becomes a TV show where we can, where we, we, we have you as another, uh, we like to have you on. I like to have you on as a guest again down the road but we can maybe make this a TV one, but that's that's just a joke well, for the audience. Well, 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 seeing how you're throwing it out there, though, I, let, let me be honest. Maybe it's 20 pounds I need to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that TV may be in the future, it's 20 pounds. Okay, okay. Well, you know, they add, it adds 10 pounds of weight, so there, there you <laughs> go. Right. So, um, Okay, so we talked about that. The, uh, the next question, and this is something that I, I definitely want to ask you, and, if, and why, Coach, why don't you do this again? Because I know you said it, and I – and I don't mean to, like, make you all, you know, I, I think even though we've only met and talked, like, probably now five times, you know, or three times, three to five times, you know, I've been hitting that so many times as a quarterback. But it, tell the audience, again, what's your Twitter handle so they can follow you because I think the stuff that you put on Twitter is awesome, you know, the motivational stuff, the why, the losing. You know, you had that a couple of weeks ago, the losing thing. But just tell the audience, again, what your Twitter is, and then I'll ask you the next question for the, for the second drive. Yeah, the, the Twitter is uh, Coach Hines 
it's uh, capital C for coach and Heinz, capital H, I N E S, and then capital C, capital H, capital S. So Coach Heinz, C H S. Okay, perfect. And then uh, the question I want to ask you for our second drive, Coach, and it's our last question. There might be a follow-up question with it, but explain to the viewing audience your coaching philosophy. I think you pretty much touched base on it, but please, mm-hmm. a lot of people that have this, please explain to the audience a coaching the coaching philosophy that you have. You talked about trust, the best interest of players. I don't know if that's going to be the whole coaching philosophy, but I don't know if you have a little slogan, but if you could tell our audience on Coach Stone's podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and I, 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 I think I love the question because I think I've spent more time as, as a coach myself to really kind of fine-tune my answer to this, but the first word that comes to mind is why. I, you know, I, I, I preach to my, my own children when they were younger, and, and my wife and I talk about it all the time. I tell my students as well as my players, we need to, we need to know our why. As a coach, as a player, and you know as well as I do, Coach, that if you're going to be in this profession for any length of time, you need to have a thick skin because win or lose, you know, from season to season or game to game, you're always going to have the quote-unquote armchair quarterbacks in the stands that are questioning what you're doing. And if we don't know our why, if we don't have a strong, deeply rooted answer to why we're coaching, we're, we're going to let that that chatter get to us, and we're not going to last long. So I think the first thing is uh, my philosophy is understanding your why. To go on with that, my, my why is to empower people. I love – I mentioned earlier about my first experience coaching uh, – Special Olympics uh, flag football program one season with a college buddy of mine. And the, the, the feeling that we get, and some of it's selfish maybe, but the feeling I get when I empower someone and see them excited and see that light go on is, 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 is life-changing. You know, for it's that priceless. It's priceless. It, it truly is. Mass, it truly is. Mass car commercials, priceless. Yeah, yes. Um, so, so, so it's that, so it's the why, it's the empowering individuals, and, and that goes beyond just players, you know, having a chance to connect with families and seeing healing happening in people's homes, to connect with your coaches. You know, we spend so much time together as a, as a staff breaking down film and going over practice plans and talking about philosophy, but getting to know them on a personal level that's life-changing as well. And I think as far as philosophy, as far as the X's and the O's, um, I, I've done a lot over the year. I'm the offensive coordinator for our program, you know, simplifying and, and, and really working on my offense and how we call things because I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as coaches is we think or we do know the game really, really well and that really doesn't matter how well we know the game if we can't share that knowledge with our players because the worst thing you can do for a player is complicate things and you take your greatest athletes and your fastest athletes and you slow the game down for them way too much if they're having to think on the field. So I, I think my coaching philosophy as far as X's knows is, you know, less is more, and, and, and I can't take credit for this, but uh, a college teammate of mine, uh, Andy Levine, his father, in New Hampshire, Paul Levine was a, was a coaching legend, if you will, in New Hampshire. Gentleman had coached for I think longer than than I had been alive when I first met him. And wow. He mentioned one time he said, you know, and I'm not a golfer, but the analogy really struck with me, or stuck with me. He said, you know, you might have you might have a golf bag of 15 clubs, but if you've golfed for any period of time, you have those five to seven clubs that you always use. 
And he said, why is it, as coaches, we have a playbook that might be 150 pages, but we have those 15 to 20 plays that we always use. Um, and I think sometimes, whether it's our ego or, or whatever you want to call it, we put too much into our coaching instead of perfecting the simple things. Um, so my philosophy is just you know, knowing your why, empowering others, and, and keeping it simple. Yeah, keep it a say. Keep it a little simple and small. That's why I say always kiss. Keep yes. it, you know, people think keep it simple, stupid. I say keep it simple and small. You know, the biggest thing, you know, you talked about, like, especially, like, you know, just, I mean, that is awesome how you talked about your coaching philosophy. And I, I like it because, you know, I thought you were going to go with what I say. I always say the who, I'm sorry, the not the who, the why, what, and how. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher, right, and you're a teacher too. But when you said the why, I was like, oh, is he going to do the what and how? Because if you would have said that, we were a lot of like it. And you almost did. You did touch on those three bases. The biggest yep. thing too with the listening audience, you know, if if you're if you're a youth offense coordinator, you're a youth defensive coordinator, you need to take to heart what Coach Hines just said. Don't make it big. Or what was the coach in New Hampshire you said, Coach? What's his name? Uh, Paul Levine. Paul, Paul Levine, Levine yeah. said it best, right? You go golfing, you have 15 clubs, right? You're only going to use five to seven. There's no reason to have. 50 plays in the playbook. And I think you said it too in your coaching philosophy, when we as coaches, a lot of us that coach, know a lot of stuff, right? There are some coaches that, that believe they know a lot of stuff, but they might not, right? But there are some coaches that are very very FBI called, football intelligence, FBI. There are a lot of football intelligent coaches. But the thing is, putting it to a kid is a lot different than running it itself. We can't play the game anymore. I don't know if you can, Coach. I have no desire to put the pads on and get hit again. I'm good. <laughs> no. I am good. I played quarterback for so many years. And the blind sides, those are nightmares. Like when I saw, you know, the playoff games that are happening now where the quarterbacks are getting hit, blind side, or all of a sudden they move up and they're getting crushed. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm yep. actually good. I don't need to do that anymore. But please, please tell the, like, for if we have any youth football coaches here, explain to them, and I know you said it once already, but explain why having a smaller playbook. So if you're speaking to them right now, why a smaller playbook for offense and defense is good? Now, is it, is it just the number of plays, or does that include formations too? Because you know how some people got 17,000 formations, right? You're right. saying keep everything small, correct? I, I, I am. You know, and, and we, we run the program I'm at now. We run the spread triple option, and, and we can run our inside zone out of maybe eight different looks or so. But it's simple for the players because of the terminology we use and the repetition in the classroom time of doing our chalk talk. Um, but I, I think the importance of keeping it small is if, and I think we've all seen it, we've all played against teams that we've lost where you think, my gosh, all they did was run downhill, off tackle, they had one counter, and it seemed like you were beat by a team that did nothing special. And there's some magic to that. There's some magic to when you can yourself run a program offensively or defensively or even with special teams and not do a million different things but do a handful of things really, really well. Uh, once again, you know, I, with my fourth grade class, I, I do a thing called quote of the day. And I put the quote on the board, and we don't discuss it at all. The, player, uh, the, the students copy it down. They write a reflection, and then we discuss it. And it's great because I tell them there's no wrong answer. It's just what does this mean to you? Um, and the reason I share that is I, I think it was a Bruce Lee quote. Uh, that oh, he was great. 
Yeah, and, and the quote that, he, and I'm sure most people listening have heard this, but, uh, and once again, I, I may misquote it, but it says something to the effect of, I, I don't fear the man that's practiced a thousand kicks, but the man that's practiced one kick a thousand times. You know? I, I mean, that, that, those are two great quotes. I just want you to know. Yeah, well, and, and once again, I, I can only take credit for reading it and remembering it. That's, that's it. <laughs> but, uh, hey, listen, but I, once again, say, you know, give it credit one. Give it credit yeah, one, it's, it's yours for life. Exactly. My, my, my looking back in my first few years as an offensive coordinator and a head coach, my playbooks were way too big and we ran a lot and I felt good about it because man, we had so much going on, but in hindsight and hindsight's always 2020, we ran a lot, probably a lot more than most teams that beat the snot out of us, but we, and that's we high ran, school, right? This is high high school, school, right? Correct. But we gotcha. ran none of it, none of it well. And, and now I think, man, and I think that that's the message I, I, really try to drill into our players is, hey, listen, we want to be so good, and we're not there yet, but we want to be so good that the opposing team and staff could actually get our playbook. They could get our risk coaches, our, you know, our play calling cards, and they still couldn't stop us because of how well we do a few things. Not how many things we do, but how well we do those few things. You know, before, we, before I ask you the question about the youth thing, I love how some coaches – they like you ask them for playbooks and they say they don't even have them on paper, right? Because I think that's wrong because if they don't have them on paper, the kids are not going to learn it. I couldn't agree more. Could not you agree I mean? more. Because I mean, well, like, hey, listen, you can give someone a playbook, right? They still got to stop it at the end of the day. Well, well and that's just it. And my philosophy is I had two, two thoughts on that. I, I did coach as an assistant uh, for two years at a program where they had no offensive playbook, and the the offensive coordinator, the head coach, who said, "Well, you know, I I know really well we don't need one." Well, that that's not the point. It doesn't matter how well you know it; you need to have the players know it. Um, and his his other response to when I talked to him, and I, and I did it respectfully and professionally, not in front of players, not in front of other coaches, but I said, "So and so, what about?" And then he said to me something I'll never forget. He said, no, because if we have a playbook, a hard copy playbook, they can transfer, go somewhere else and have that. And my answer to him was, why not coach them so well that they can go anywhere but love them so much that they don't want to? Oh, that's and he, that, hey, and that's he really good. That, and, 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 and I'll be honest with you, this gentleman I'm talking about, well, I can't even say gentleman, this person. I, I don't, I, <laughs> I'll be very transparent. I won't say his name, but I have zero respect for him. He knows yeah. offense. He knows how to break down a defense so, be, so so much better than I ever have. But I will never call him a good coach because he didn't love his players. His players knew and know he doesn't love them. He, he uses them as pawns. And for me, that's not coaching. I don't care how many championships you win. I don't care how good you know your offense or defense. If we're not empowering lives, we're, we're missing the greatest calling on earth. Well, you know, people don't yeah. – People don't realize that either. Like, if you have a thoroughbred and you keep running it, running it, running it, thoroughbred is eventually going to go down. And if you don't have an answer after that thoroughbred's done, you're in big trouble. And that's, I mean, that that what you just said, those two things, that was awesome. So, Coach, really quick, and then we'll go to the two-minute warning because I know the whistle's going to be coming soon. With youth coaches, right, my, my philosophy is this. Keep it really small, right? Get the number one playing youth football, toss, right? Because if you get to the outside, you score. Yep. Number two play, possibly fullback dive. Have a power lead or a counter, right? Have a couple pass plays, 
have a tailback pass, everyone does it, right, or a reverse. Do you, do you think that is a typical, like a youth playbook, if you're playing youth tackle, about four or five run pass plays, two trick plays, and then once they master that, then they start building it, correct? They don't, they don't give them a war and peace book. You know, no, they, give them, they give them a little book first. I, I, I do agree with what you said. The only thing I, I want to add to that Sure. Is, and I mean this with all sincerity, is I've never coached youth football. I've always coached high school football, with, the, with that one exception of the Special Olympics team I coached. It's always Correct. been high school, so I, I don't want to speak of something I haven't done. But, oh, okay. But, but I, I have coached my, my first seven years coaching was high school freshmen, which, man, that's not far off, but I think the only difference are the hormones that come <laughs> in. Um, so not having done it by experience, I, I don't want to say much, but what you said makes perfect sense to me. Gotcha. And then, like, okay, so you said you had eight formations right now, right? We don't want to tell your opponents because I know you don't care, but if your opponent coaches are listening or opponent players, you right now have about eight formations. Is that eight formations one way or is that four and four? Oh, it's it's, it's eight. And and real quick, it's just, you know, our trips formation, what I I did, you know, I remember as a player, and I'm talking about high school and college, and maybe I'm just a little bit slower than most, but when they talked about the receivers, the X, the Y, and the Z, it, it, it never made sense to me. And I always had to slow down on the field going, all right, wh- where do I go when we break the huddle as the X or the tight end or the Y or the Z? So what I did when, when I created our offense, and I, I, I didn't create it, I adapted it from other things I learned from other college and high school coaches, was mm-hmm. we have what we call our bar form, formation. And that's just, just a spread formation, two wide receivers, two slots. And I call it bar, B-A-R for back at right. We call our back at left, we call that ball formation. Um, for our trips, trips is always to the right. Our trio is always to the left. Then we have our pistol, right, pistol, left. We have our rock, which is, you know, I, I think about a rock, it's solid. So our rock is tight end right. Our load is tight end left. Um, then we have double tights. Um, but I, I really try to break it down with players. And what I do with my students in the classroom when I'm teaching long division I'll often have, you know, a young boy or girl come up and I'll say, are you be the teacher now? I'm going to sit down as one of the students. And I sit on the floor with the rest of the kids and I'll say, walk us through this problem. And it's empowering mm-hmm. for them to do that. And you do the same thing as, as a coach where sometimes we'll have our, our film and I'll call up a quarterback or a lineman and say, hey, take us through our bar 51, our inside zone play. And more often than not, we have a lineman that can tell you what every single lineman is doing and what the backfield and receivers are doing because I try to just really simplify it. Um, and as, as far as our offensive linemen, and it's not always the case, but I, the more interchangeable you can be, and I know we always tell our players this, you know, you don't want college coaches to look at you and say, well, you are a slot back or you are a wide receiver. They want to look at you in the best-case scenario and say that young man is an athlete meaning they can play you anywhere. Um, so I, I think the more simple we make it, uh, the more user-friendly it is, the more success we have. That, you know, that's, that's phenomenal. The one, thing, the one thing I like how you were saying it, though, too, it, it's relatable to the kids. The kids can relate to it. Like I said in one of my blogs a long time ago, keep it simple, small. It's relatable to the kids. They understand when you say bar, back, right, right? Um, yep. And then... The other thing, too, is I like how you have the one-syllable words. 
I, I know the NFL, you have these, like, you know, you hear Drew Brees, Sean Payton, you hear all those guys, and they have these plays that are 17 syllables, 30 syllables. <laughs> but people yeah. don't realize, here's the thing, that's their full-time job, and they have a headset in their helmets. Yes. So people don't realize, if they don't know it, they can say, hey, say it again, because before that shot clock, before the, I don't know what the rules in the NFL, but there's a certain time in the game clock that the mic is cut, right? But yep. it's amazing how, you know, some youth coaches, they want to run like the pros when you don't get them every day. You know, and I know you say you don't coach youth, but like for my son's flag team, listen, just make it something they relate to. Like our defensive positions are wrestling positions. So, like, because everyone, like, you know, 90% of the kids watch WWE. If not, I don't know. You look like you watch wrestling, Coach, when you were younger. I guarantee you probably watched <laughs> I used Hulk to watch Hogan. You probably were there when the Hulk Hogan slammed under a giant at WrestleMania. You thought that was, like, probably phenomenal, right? Absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. Related to the kids, and I don't know if, you're, if your running plays and your option plays are the same way, but my gut feeling is a lot of your stuff is one syllable. So your plays are only four or five syllables, and that's it, with a couple of tags yeah. probably here and there, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's Correct. perfect. Um, so, okay, Coach, so what we're going to do now is, there's the whistle, Coach. Game's almost over. You know, the, um, the kickoff return question, I think we won so fast, we didn't even get a whistle on that one. But with our second drive, we did. We are now at the two-minute warning, Coach. So for two to five minutes, you have the viewers on the Coach Stone podcast. You, you know, I think we had five the last time. You think we're going to – you said well, at least we're not going down to four, right, or nothing. So maybe we'll be more than five or four this week when, you, uh, when, you're, uh, when you're on here. You have the floor, so coach, whatever you want to say to the listening audience, words of wisdom, anything you want to do, if you want to, if you want to review anything, we could do that right now, but the floor is yours, coach, okay? All right. Well, I'll, I'll make this short and sweet. First of all, I uh, greatly appreciate what you do, coach, and you know, having me on your podcast is uh, exciting for me. It's humbling, and I really appreciate it. I guess, I guess the, the most important thing I'd love to share is – someone listening to this, we're only to take one thing away from it. If you are a coach, realize the platform we have. We have an opportunity to change lives. And I can't tell you how many people, <laughs> the great majority of my friends make a lot more money than I do. And the reason <laughs> that the great majority of my friends um, are not teachers and coaches. You know, I have a lot of coaches that are friends, or a lot of friends that are coaches and stuff. Um, but so many, I've had countless conversations with people who said, man, if I could go back and do it again. And, and they understand, to a certain degree, the sacrifices we make as far as the salaries we have and all that. But we have a captive audience. You know, I, I've always said, as a teacher, I'm with the students for about six hours a day. As a coach, it's about two and a half to three hours a day. And I think about my own children growing up. You know, our, our four children are now 19, 20, 22, and 27. Um, but if you think about the time you have with your own children, quality time, I think most families spend less than an hour. If you think about, you know, kids, kids are at school for that time. They go to their sports. By the time they get home often, it's 6 or 7 o'clock at night. They have dinner. They have, and most families don't sit down together now. They have homework. And if you think about the quality time, it's usually far less than an hour. We have a captive audience where we can be 
the father figures, and it's not just for the broken homes or the split families or the struggling families. Very often these, these are young men that come from great families, but they need someone just to be there for them, just to listen. And I, I think the final thing I would say is, you know, if, if our only goal is to win rings, we're, we're, we're failing our, our young men. It's about relationships. It's about empowering people and helping others. You know, I talked about the importance of knowing our why as coaches it's, it's important to help our players understand their why. You know, I, I mentioned uh, to our players one time this year, I said, some of you are going to marry the most beautiful girl you've ever met, whether it's a high school relationship or college. And I said, God forbid when that young woman gets cancer or gets into a car accident or you name it and they lose their hair or they lose, you know, who knows what, their beauty externally. That's why there are so many so many divorces in the country. If we understand our why, why we're marrying the person we're saying we love, why we're raising children, when life does punch us in the face, and it does, it's not going to shake us. You know, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a challenge, but if our why is strong enough, the what's in life and the when and the where's don't matter because our why will bring us through anything. And that, that, that's what it's about for me, Coach. Coach, that was awesome. You know, and then with that being said, game is over, Coach. I appreciate you on the guest. So Absolutely. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Coach Stone Podcast. I want to thank J.C. Hawk Radio, Hawks Radio. Thank J.C. Hawks Sports Network for having me do this podcast. You know, when they asked me to do this months ago, I was like, yeah, I have a podcast. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a TV face, not a radio face. But, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe I do like this because, like Coach says, we, we both need to lose weight. So maybe in – 2019, we can make this a TV show, Coach, and maybe we can even be it together. Um, my next guest for the Coach Stone podcast will be announced really soon, and it'll be posted over on my Twitter, Coach Stone under I'm sorry, Coach underscore Stone underscore MT, um, and then it'll probably be posted other places too for social media. But again, thank you, Coach Coach Hines. Thank you very much. Uh, why don't you tell the audience um, your Twitter one more time because you have 18. 18,000 followers. I know, I, I think that's awesome because, you know, you do stuff, things like that. Now we just got to get all those followers to follow me so we can make this a huge success. And then, you know, down the road for 2019, if we can do this international women's game, Coach, we could talk about it later, just, you know, off topic, but we can talk about this. I don't know. I think that the ladies, if any lady football players would like a different type of women's tackle football camp for the adult women, you know, I'm all for it. It sounds like Coach is all for it. But we have something for 2019 for them, and we invite all the international teams from all over the world and come together and treat them like football players. You know, we don't, we don't baby them. We don't play favorites. We give them critiques. We give them things like that. But we can talk about that more, Coach. So go ahead, Coach, one more time, Coach Stone Podcast. Tell them your Twitter. It's uh, Coach Hines. H-I-N-E-S, uh, Coach Hines, T-H-S. Uh, and, and if you have 30 seconds, a funny story about that was uh, sure, go ahead. Was, when I first joined Twitter, it was Coach Hines, B-H-S, because I was the head coach of Bar uh, Bedford High School. Moved out yeah. to California, and I uh, was an assistant at Christian High School, so I changed it to Coach Hines, C-H-S. And when I got the head coaching job at Coronado High School, one of the first things my wife said to me was, hey, you don't need to change your Twitter handle. <laughs> it's the simple things in life. 
So, uh, hey, Coach, that's awesome. Coach Hines, VHS. That's awesome. And you know, it's funny you said VHS, right? I don't Correct. think half the listening audiences know, unless they're like our age, they don't know what a VHS is. Because my son asked to look at my highlight films, and I said, the, the son are all on VHS. He's oh. like, well, where's that? what's that? And I'm like, I'll show you. I, I got no, a VCR. No, it, it, it was, I thought you said B. It, it was B as in ball, but yes, VHS is uh, oh, the dating, VHS, that's dating ourselves. Bad. Yeah, That's all right. My I bad, get it, though. VHS, VHS, my bad. So, okay, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Coach Hines, again, thanks again. So we will see you next time. The, the next guest will be, will be um, announced very shortly. See you later, everybody. Coach Stone Podcast. Oh,